Welcome to the first episode of the Growing Together podcast. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Kyra. And we're here to walk with you through life, faith, relationships, and money. In today's episode, we're going to be going over the backstory and the heart of why we started this podcast. We'll also be getting into how we met, dated, and met each other's parents. And we'll be topping off this episode with some thoughts on dating. So in the vein of you guys getting to know who your brand new podcast hosts are, a lot of you guys probably already know that Kyra and I wrote a book called This Kind of Love that will be released July 13th, 2021. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, that date has probably already passed, in which case you can get this book wherever books are sold. But we thought, since this is a brand new podcast, it would be a great idea to show you guys who we are by telling you who we are based off of the stories that we wrote. So if you find yourself loving the segments of this podcast in the first few episodes, then you're going to absolutely adore the book that we wrote. So you guys can get this kind of love wherever books are sold, either through pre-order or by going to pick it up at a store near you. We have a super exciting show planned for you this week. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Jumping straight into the backstory of the podcast and why we even got started. Kaylin actually has a long history in podcasting. If you guys didn't know, if you want to tell them a little bit about that. So my first podcast started and failed in 2015, which was approximately six years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it died a a slow death. It was (laughs) three episodes and I just archived the episodes about three days ago. So you can't go search them. Yeah, so up until three days ago, you guys were able to see how embarrassing it was. They weren't embarrassing. They were actually good episodes. We talked about porn and masturbation and sex trafficking. and Yeah, I remember you talking about a lot of heavy topics. Yeah, I was like 18 and we were like, jumping into it but I really got inspired to do podcasts after I started listening to them so Mm -hmm. I probably started listening to podcasts um, for a couple years before that point and at that time I was just listening to a lot of sermons and different motivational speeches from entrepreneurs and everything and I had noticed how it just totally transformed my mindset I used to listen to a lot of music and it was a lot of bad music and had me doing some bad hoodlum things. After I started listening to the podcast, it was changing my life for the better. And I noticed that like, you know, some of them are pretty lit. Like you can work out to some of them at the gym. We didn't get our first start into podcasting until about three years ago. Right. I would say that my first bout with podcasting was around that time, that 2015 time when we would be in the car and you would put on a podcast. And I'd be like, wait, really? Do we have to listen to a podcast right now? Because I just thought that every podcast was like informational and educational And at the time, I was just like really into entertainment. And then two or three years ago, we recorded our first episode together. Epic fail. And I remember being like, "Uh, yeah, no, not for me. This is too embarrassing. I would never be on a podcast. So one of the reasons Kyra and I didn't continue doing our podcast after our first couple of test episodes were we felt we weren't ready. And if I can be honest, I just didn't feel qualified to be doing it. So those first couple of episodes that Kyra and I had tested on never got released. And in our absence over the past few years, Kyra and I really felt like there was a void, specifically in the Christian category of the podcast space of a husband and wife just going back and forth, focused on growing together in every direction possible. A lot of the Christian podcasts are super professional and they're like super well planned out. And they're frankly ran by and hosted by these titans of the faith. And although we're not there right now, I'm focused on getting there. Like, I want to grow spiritually. I want to be the best husband I can. I know that Kyra wants to be the best wife and mother that she can. And we want to talk about how we're going to do that along this journey together. And we'd rather not do that alone. So that's why we started this podcast, to invite you guys to do that with us. So since we're going on this journey together, and I don't want it to be awkward as we're holding hands, doing the buddy system through life, 
I want you guys to know a little bit more about us. And there's no better way to do that than to figure out the origin story. So, Kyra, I'm going to ask you right now, what is Kyra's origin story? Gosh. Where are you from? What's your daddy name? I mean, I'm not going to go into all of that, but I couldn't do like a little background on me. So my name's Kyra. Hello, everyone. If you're new or don't know who I am, I was raised in a non-Christian household. I am the second oldest family of seven, the first daughter born. And I would say that I grew up in a pretty standard, normal, schmormal household. Like you would not think anything of us. I feel like it was just very standard, very normal. My dad worked away from home. He was out of town, like would stay overnight for his work and then come back home. He worked very odd hours. So my mom was like a true stay at home mom where she was like without her husband for a lot of the time. I would say that my dad was the perfect example of hard worker, provider. Like he was an amazing example of that for me. And he always made sure that we wanted for nothing and never had to worry about anything because he would handle it and no one was gonna mess with us. And then on the other side, we have my mom who stayed at home with all five kids. She literally dropped us off at school, picked us up from school. We didn't have to ride the bus. She was always like, she would bring us lunch. If we forgot our lunch, she was always on it and on top of it. I know that she spent probably 99.9% of her energy into raising us and really doing her best. She also would start like little side hustles and little side businesses. She was like very much more entrepreneurial and like free spirited. And so it was also really cool being at home with her. And I really vividly remember her starting all these businesses and having like business cards. And it was really cool to see her do that. Growing up, which one did you think you'd be more like? Your dad, like doing the proper like corporate job? Or your mom working full-time at home and running a full-time business? Oh, definitely my dad. I don't even think I really understood like my mom's entrepreneurial spirit until I got older. And I was like, wait, my mom was like really killing it. Like she was straight up raising all five of us at home and would take us everywhere. All of our cheer practices, gymnastic practices, baseball practices, taking us to school, but then also having all these businesses on the side and really making a decent income from that too. So you had a pretty good childhood. Like you got good memories. Yeah, I would, I would say. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't ask the wrong question. Okay. Well, I know I definitely have amazing memories from my childhood. And I would say that my parents really strived to give me the best start that they could in life. And I know that their main goal was to give me a better childhood than the one that they had. But if you are a parent or if you've literally just gone through any amount of time, you know that even when you strive to give your kids the absolute best or even a partner the absolute best, you still will fall short. And I would say that that's where some of my not so good memories would come from. How do you think those memories shaped who you are today? Well, it's really interesting because I feel like I have two perspectives on my childhood. Now that I'm an adult, one from how I know how I viewed the world when I was a child versus now that I'm an adult, I actually have like insight into so much more. So I feel like as a child, I was blissfully ignorant. I remember being happy and, you know, feeling like there was not a worry in the world. But I do also remember feeling like something is not quite right. Like I, I have memories of feeling misunderstood or very lonely. And now that I'm an adult, I know exactly why. All this by at the age of what, about 13? Yeah, 12, 13. So what type of 13-year-old were you? Um, 13 years old. Well, that's first of all when I met you. So you could probably speak to this a little bit, but I, I would say I was pretty shy, really just unsure of 
what was even going on half the time. I still feel like I was mostly in that blissfully ignorant stage, but kind of like I said, my eyes were opening to the evils of the world and all of the bad things that can really happen, which made me kind of even more confused. But I was still in like this blissful, ignorant, naive stage that I kind of just was okay with brushing it away because no one was really explaining to me what exactly was going on. Yeah, um, I want to say that must have been nice, but I mean, that would be making light of, you know, some of the chaos and the trauma that you mentioned. Um, Unfortunately for me as well, by 13, my eyes were open to a world of sin. I think I lost my blissful ignorance at like a super young age. I'd probably say in like fourth grade is when I feel like my eyes were open and I'm like, okay, this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And you know, these feelings I'm feeling and things that I'm doing, like I knew they weren't right, but like I was still doing them anyway. I think I got you beat. I come from a family of eight. You come from, you come from a family of seven, right? Mm -hmm. So I come from a family of eight. I am the youngest of six kids. I'm not going to even try and list down the ages because it's like five other siblings that I have. But I think my oldest sibling is like 15 or 16 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's too much. 13. Something like that. I just I shouldn't have even tried. I don't want to be rude. But like I really got to live vicariously through my siblings. A lot of things that I experienced, um, I probably experienced a little bit faster than I would have if I hadn't had older siblings. That's the name of the game. My dad is a pastor. And he's been a pastor for about 30 years. He was a pastor before I was born, and he's been a pastor for my entire life. So you guys know our weekends were characterized by going to church, waking up early. I I literally remember my dad busting in the room, telling us to get up, us scraping the crusties out of our eyes, hopping in the shower, and like getting there 7 a.m. for Sunday school, and then not leaving until like 3 p.m. And you guys probably think I'm exaggerating, but if you know the black church experience, you know that it's not really a church service as much as it's a church weekend. So even after we would leave church at like 3 p.m. after they'd be talking and everything, you go home or you have a, a little bit of lunch and then you go back for an after church service or you go fellowship with other churches in the city. So our Sundays were reserved for church as well as our Wednesdays. And my dad did not play with that. Like when I did sports, like little league sports and all that, I had practice on Wednesdays, but my dad would literally tell the coaches, Caitlin is not going to be playing these sports on a Wednesday because he has to go to Bible study. He got a little bit more lenient with that uh, some years, but other years I'd literally miss practice or I'd have to have my coaches drop me off at church as soon as it was over. My mom was, um, I almost said she was also a stay-at-home mom, but she wasn't. My mom worked for the state and she worked there until she was forced to retire. Being that she was forced to retire at a very young age, she was kind of like a stay-at-home mom. She did all the things that a stay-at-home mom would. I don't know how she did it, but all of her kids, she was just there for all of us. So that was pretty cool. I'd say one of the things that really changed my life was at about six years old, I was in, um, I think, the first grade. We moved from what some people might call the hood, and we moved to the other side of town, the west side, and that was the better side, the the suburbs. And I went from being one in a million black kids at the school to literally being the only black kid in my class and one of like three black people in the whole school. So I remember getting made fun of as a kid. Um, Really, it's kind of ironic. Like I was getting made fun of for things that are being culturally appropriated from black people right now. So if I would have just stayed the way I was when I was younger, I'd be the coolest person ever. 
But now I get called corny because of the way I act. I'm like, come on, man. I cannot win. When I try to change and assimilate, I don't get accepted. But like now y'all are trying to change to the person that I was like, come on, this is so weird. But I digress. So I was finally able to cope with being the only black kid in class. I was super behind with my reading level spelling my multiplication like everything i didn't know how to do nothing it's just weird how different the schools are depending on the location that you're in and this kind of brings me to the point to where i was meeting kyra i eventually catch back up and then it's time to go to junior high and i literally met kyra on the first day of school and we're not going to get too much into that story because our book literally starts on the first day of school in seventh grade. So if you guys want to hear the details and all that and how I was plotting to get her number and everything, you guys should totally read that in the book because it's going to be hilarious. We don't spend too much time on it in the book because I know this will be a, probably a surprise to a lot of you guys, but our book really isn't so much about our love story as it is about all the things that we had to go through and grow through together. And these are themes and things that I'm sure a lot of you guys are also either going through right now or trying to make sense of, or it's like trauma in your life. And really, we just wrote this book so that you guys know that you're not alone in these seasons, that you have people and friends in Kyra and myself that are willing to grow through these things with you. So although we met and dated in junior high, we only dated for a few months. And like I said, you guys can read the details of that in our book. But in this next segment, we'd like to jump forward about four about four-ish years, and talk about how we rekindled our relationship in high school. And at this point, Kyra and I have both been through so much. I mean, four years, especially when you're young, they're so formative. And there's the things that happen to you during those times, they really change the trajectory of your life. And for me, it was no different. So by the time I had met Kyra in high school, I was about my father's business. But it hadn't always been that way. Kyra, we rekindled our relationship. What was that like for you? I think that I was drawn to you because, well, first of all, I feel like you just seemed super sweet and super kind. And I think that I also did like that you were so assertive, which is something I had not experienced yet in any of the guys that I was ever interested in. And so I was like, hmm, okay, this is interesting. Let's see what he has to say. But I think how forthcoming you were definitely shocked me. I remember after we had our intentions talk, going back home and thinking, okay, that was kind of, that was like a lot. That was, he was like really, he was really talking about that. I have a completely different history in dating. And I, I wouldn't even say I have a complete history in dating. I only had, I would, I mean, I don't, I feel like it's so hard to explain like those relationships early high school and even junior high, like you would consider them boyfriends, but not even really. But for the sake of the story, I guess I will call them boyfriends. I had only had two other, maybe three other guys that I had ever liked and never even had gone on a date, like never, ever, ever, ever. And so when you came into my life, I was about to turn 16, which is like official age. I was allowed to date. So you were the first guy that I was like, oh my goodness, I might be able to be his girlfriend. Like that was a huge deal to me. So when you came and you were like, hey, do you want to be together? Like if you're serious about this, then like, let's do it. And so I was like, yeah, sign me up. Like I want a boyfriend. I was literally just coming off a relationship that was very toxic it was horrible and it wasn't even the girl's fault it was me and I learned so much in that time that we had spent apart after uh, breaking up in junior high that um you know I had done some things that I wasn't proud of and been in some situations that um I, I kind of regret I mean I don't regret many things in my life but if I could go back and get myself out of some of those positions then I definitely would but by the time I met you I had already like had this transformation in my mind and I'm like I'm not dating like this anymore 
And I know I'm only 16 and, you know, we have some interesting opinions on that now, but you couldn't tell my 16 year old tale at the time that I wasn't dating with the intention of marrying. Both of our parents um, had gotten together really young. So the idea of getting married young, especially super young, was not that foreign to us. So I was really serious, like, hey, I don't want to be wasting my time anymore. I don't want to get in the situations I had been in before. So you're either down with this or you're not. And at that time, like, I was also super arrogant. So I was like, my body is a temple. And I know that's like common language that Christian women will have for themselves Mm -hmm. or that that type of self-respect that Christian women will have. I kind of adopted that and projected it on myself. And I'm like, yes, this is true, not only just for you, but also for me. So I'm going to protect myself from all these little girls out here because this is for all this is for my future wife. Yes, which is so interesting that you came with that energy because all of those things you were getting into in your previous relationships, I was you know, still having that like blissfully ignorant mindset. And I was none the wiser. Like I had literally no idea. I've never asked you this, but I'm curious. What did you think when I brought you that energy? Like, look, I am not doing this. I'm not doing that. I don't even want to touch you. I don't even want to smell you. I'm never going to be alone with you. Like, how did that make you feel? Well, I was already like that. Like, I remember being in situations where I definitely could have been taken advantage of or I could have taken advantage of the situation and gotten into, you know, some steep water. What situations were you water. in? <laughs> I, I mean, I there were definitely the opportunities were presented to me, but I never took them. I think I was just, I was so shy and I... Although I like the idea of having like a guy best friend or like a boyfriend, I guess you would say, I was not interested in any of like the physical aspects. So I feel like when we got together, it removed so much of the pressure. So I'm so glad that you were on that because I feel like we were just, we were just on the same page and yeah, I know we were young. I I wouldn't even say we were necessarily on the same page. I feel like you specifically were making sure that you were on a specific page because you didn't want to take advantage of anybody and you didn't want what happened in your past relationship to happen with us. And so you came to me respectfully, but the way I received that was just like, oh, he's very serious. And you hadn't told me what had happened in the past yet. So I didn't really know. I had my page. You had your page. What page was your parents on? (laughs) Well, I, ooh, oh man, you guys, like, how much y'all want to say? (laughs) You guys are really going to have to read the full story in the book because there was so much back and forth and it was so much drama for no reason. But at the time I was just so nervous to tell them that, oh, I think I like met somebody that I would like to date and see where it went, except I'd never brought a boy home. And any of the trouble I got into when I was in high school was always related to a boy, to me texting a boy, taking a picture with the boy. It was an it was always an issue, even though I literally didn't even have any actual boyfriends. So, you know, that point, that part still confuses me. My mom was like, honestly, I feel like my mom was ready for me to have a boyfriend and to like open up that part of my life. You got to remember, I was the first girl born into the family. So it was like a pretty big deal for me to bring a boy home. And then my dad was just like not here for it at all. That's crazy. I never got the okay for my parents to like start dating, but I also never was like shunned from them. I started dating at a young age and like I was allowed to go out and you know, they just treat boys and girls differently. But I was allowed to go out and do things and that honestly kind of got me into a lot of situations that again, I'd rather not have gotten into. But such as life. I remember I couldn't wait to meet your parents. One of the first times we got saw each other, your mom had came and picked you up, like Mm -hmm. saw each other again after we rekindled. Your mom had came and picked you up 
I couldn't wait to see her. I wanted her to like see me. I wanted to declare to her, you know, all the things that I had thought about dating and like getting married young and all that. Those conversations never came up that early, but like I couldn't wait. I wanted to share with your mom. I wanted to share with you. I wanted to share with your sisters, your brother. I wanted to share with your whole family and let them know like, look, this boy, he's 16, but he means business. And I was just not getting the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, if your dad preemptively, like, didn't like me or, like, what. But it took a long time. It took persistence in order to finally have that conversation with your parents and to see their reaction to it that you're going to have to read about again. Because, boy, oh, boy, when you guys read that story, you're going to be like... It was a lot. It was like, it. Was, I want to say it was for no reason, but I would say that my dad had like the stereotypical dad, like, I don't want my daughter talking to any boy. I don't, I don't care how great he is. I don't want to see any boy. But also on the other end, once you did meet my dad, he was very much so like, if this is who you really like, then I'm going to support you and like trust that you've made a good decision. Right. I mean, he had no reason but to support me. Like I wasn't even really trying to be like your boyfriend or something. At the time, I was really kind of confused between what does this even mean? What is the difference between dating and courting and like, are we going together or oh, we just talking? I didn't really care about none of those labels because, again, I was dating with the intention of marrying. So I didn't really even feel pressed on making you like my quote unquote official Facebook official girlfriend. Yeah. So that's really why like I felt comfortable talking to your parents. I'm approaching them as a friend that is looking to possibly do life with their daughter. Should we be compatible and should we fall into love and stay there and grow in that? So I wasn't really feeling pressed. You were playing the long game. Yeah, I was playing the long game. I don't care about this boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. Like, I wouldn't actually get married. Exactly. It's just funny when it comes to defining the relationship. I know that I had a very unique perspective when it came to what we were and what we weren't, especially in high school. It seemed like everybody, I mean, these people wouldn't even know each other. Like, they'd have a new semester would start and maybe they have a science class together now that they didn't have in the past. And two weeks later, they're dating. Do you remember anytime a new person would come to the school, the boys and girls, everyone would be like, oh my gosh, who's new? Because like they wanted to date them. And right, right. And I don't, I, I guess like I'm, I'm, I'm using these terms like interchangeably, but what I really meant was they were quote unquote boyfriend and girlfriend. And I'm like, how is that even happening? I, I, I got it. Like, cause I had done the same thing, but it just seemed like, and I got so over the, idea and the entitlement that came with those labels yeah and i'd kind of had a similar uh perspective even in junior high but i guess it matured uh into what i had in high school and i don't even know if i even agree with this but i I remember my line of thinking was i don't care about these labels uh i know what happens when i get these labels the entitlement that i feel and that the girl feels entitled to and the things the situations that we end up in so with kyra i don't want that And I think that that could have been pretty frustrating for you, was it? Or were you like, did you understand? Yes, I do remember being pretty frustrated. I remember being pretty frustrated even back when I was 12 years old and dated you. Wow, you was harboring some animosity, girl. I was like, this boy, like, what is his deal? I remember you had, like, explained it to me a few times, and I was still kind of like, huh? Like, what's the point? Like, are you just trying to prove a point? I basically came to an understanding of, okay, if this really is a person I'm going to be with, then it really doesn't matter, and there's just an understanding there that we are together. I guess I can ask this now since it's been almost 13 years. Oh, it's been 13 years. Literally 13 years. Wow. So that means you've known me 
most of your life. Why are you trying to input yourself into most of my life? I just love that. We've known each other for most of our lives. Because you know that I've just always loved talking about how we're just besties. And so I feel like that just like really solidifies You swear we were besties in junior high, but like I'm trying to tell you, I did not need no friends. I was not trying to make no friends. I wanted you to be my girl. Okay, but you are my bestie. Okay, yeah. (laughs) But did you think that we'd actually make it? Uh, Take yourself back to junior high. In junior high, did you think we'd make it? No. Okay. I I did. I'm a hopeless romantic. In high school, did you think we'd make it? Wow. I have to really think because there's so many phases of a relationship I actually have to think. Um, I actually did. And I remember senior year people telling me, like, you're going to be one of the only relationships, you and Kaylin, that make it out of high school. See, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I thought we would. And if I didn't, I would have broken up with you. Like, I, like I said, I was not trying to waste any time. And um, I didn't want an off and on relationship. You know how people yeah. like get together and then they break up and they get together mm-hmm. and they break up like mm-hmm. that. That's his waste. One of time. my biggest flexes. We have never broken Come up. Come on now. Except hey, when say, we were 12. say it again. <laughs> say it again. Hey, flex on Since them. we were, I was 15, we, or 16, we have literally never broken up. We can't flex on saying that. Have you, can you flex and say you've never been broken up with? Mm, you ever yes. been dunked? I've broken up with everyone. Okay. I've always told people I'd never break up with them. So I've been dumped. I've been cheated on. You, you were my it. first one that I broke up with. Have you been cheated on? Ooh. Why are you going to flex on Ooh. me like that? Why are you going to flex on me like that? <laughs> I broke up with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, um, you know, I think that we lasted because we had really good dating boundaries. I think one of the secrets to success in relationships, especially in dating, in early dating, and we're learning this even in our almost fifth year of marriage, is boundaries. Now, they start off very innocent, um, but they get a little bit more complicated, especially as you get married. But nonetheless, you have to keep them around. What do you think were some of the boundaries we had in our dating relationship that actually led to success, like that actually built a relationship that lasts? Oh, off tops, when you were like, I don't think we should hug or kiss. Really? Yes. Because one, I mean, looking back, in the, in the moment when I was that young and I had never had any like physical relationship yet, I didn't exactly know how important boundaries would be. I didn't know why those should be there, but uh, hello, because it's going to lead you possibly into something that you don't want to be or you're not ready for yet. And so I would definitely say that one. And now looking back, it honestly made me so much more comfortable. And I felt like I was able to be around you without feeling like, oh, this is going to lead to making out. And I've never made out with anybody before. So now I don't even really want to hang out with you because I feel like I am going to pressure myself into doing something I don't really want to do. And then I'm going to be too embarrassed to even say, hey, I don't want to do this. Wow. So that hit you different. That did that actually make you feel like kind of comfortable or more comfortable around me? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I was like, okay, well, he actually wants to talk to me and get to know me. And, you know, I'm all about building a friendship and being besties because I just feel like that's so important for me to feel comfortable around somebody. And so it just built that extra layer of trust where I was like, okay, this isn't going to lead anywhere that I don't want it to lead to. And it also alleviated even having to have the uncomfortable conversation of like, hey, I'm not going to have sex with you. Like you set the stage that, hey, we're not going to be doing any of that. So I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't feel that pressure. Um, I thought that it would be harder to, you know, keep my hands off of you because, again, you're 16, your your hormones are raging. And, I mean, we dated for about three years before we got married. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a long time to, you know, try and stay away from someone. 
So we actually did not make it. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. I think we lasted about one year um, of no like holding hands, no yeah. kissing, no hugging and stuff like that. And then I felt like I had kind of proved my point and I had proven even to myself that like, okay, I'm not the person I was before. I'm not this person that is just dating for fun, that is just trying to use this person to get what I want out of them so that I can dispose of them later. Like I'm going to treat this person like a person. I'm going to treat this woman as my sister in Christ with dignity and respect. And we're going to hopefully build upon this foundation that is not built on lust, but is in fact built on friendship. Mm -hmm. And we're actually going to last. Like I'm not wasting time. We're going to do this. So after that year, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty long time, to, especially at that age when, you know, you don't really got to follow the rules. Like, no, there's nobody really. I mean, everybody else is doing everything. Yeah, so I never even, even got that like peer the, pressure. I never even got like the sex talks from my, from my parents. Really? So no one was checking in. But I they re- wasn't giving you until the sex talk. No, nothing, nothing of the sorts. Wow. I remember after we'd hang out too. I remember specifically messaging my friend and being like, oh, my gosh, he still hasn't kissed me yet. Did you want me to kiss you? <laughs> well, I think after probably like six months, I was like, OK, like you can <laughs> kiss me now. Point. That's funny. I always felt like no one believed me. Uh, and it may have oh, come no. from, you know, how my past was, but I'm like, y'all, I'm really like not out here doing that. Like I'm really out here in a God honor relationship, but that kind of leads to my next point, which was about being above reproach. And I think because again, we were so young when we dated, um, and we had dated for so long that it was kind of hard for outsiders to believe that we were literally like in a God honoring non, you know, physical relationship. And I don't blame them because when I see people that are like that young dating and they've been dating for a long time, I'm like, oh yeah, they, they've been done had sex or, oh, yeah. oh they, they've been done, you know, they're, they're, they're lusting, they're, they're sinning. Something. In there. Like, I know, I mean, come on now, come on now. If you actually like each other, you're heterosexual male or female, and you're dating this person that you're physically attracted to, and you're like infatuated with, especially at that age, you're doing something. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So you're like, Playing with a ticking time bomb. <laughs> so I totally get why people were like that towards me. Uh, they were wrong, but they was not about to be wrong because, look, we dated for three years and we got married at 19 and we couldn't have got married any sooner. I tried to get the job done at 18 because it was just getting increasingly harder and harder and harder, especially, and this is the other piece of advice, when you find yourself alone. Yeah. If you're going to be dating, if you're going to be courting, If you don't hear anything else in this podcast, do not be alone. You cannot handle it. Yes. All of our slip ups were moments when we were left alone. And it didn't even have to be like completely, completely alone. If there's a way, you will find the way. Oh, yeah. You're going to find the way. So if there were any things that you would change with our dating process, what would it be? Especially now that you're a little bit older, a little bit more wise. You know, you got two kids now. You've been married for almost five years. I would say like, you know, you, you know your stuff. What are some advice to younger Kyra that you'd give from older Kyra? I feel like we did a lot of things really great. For us specifically, we spent a lot of time together late at night And I definitely think there should have been a boundary of like, when the sun goes down, I go home and we're not together anymore. I think that when the sun goes down, it gets dark, it gets late. Oh, that just was not a good time for me. And I remember feeling very, very shameful about that. I was burning in my lust. It was hard. If it had not been for that streetlight illuminating everything, I probably would have have lost my witness. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let me tell you, it was hard. Like, so my advice would be again, not being alone, 
not dating when you're too young. I mean, I don't think that you should be dating if you're not ready for marriage. So if I would tell my 16-year-old self something, I would say, hey, this is a girl that you're interested in. How about you be friends with her, but you wait until you're actually you know, 18 or you have a job or you, you can support her um, and your family, your future family. Wait to, to start dating her um, so that you can date with the intention of marriage and you can get married within a reasonable time after dating. I'm not sure if that's three months. I'm not sure if that's one year, but I think that the three-year thing was way too long. If you want to be in a relationship that is honoring God. Now, I am not saying that it is not possible. Guys, we did it. But I'm saying it makes no sense to put yourself in a situation where you're likely to fail. It just depends on how sensitive you are to being obedient and how much of a position of success you'd like to put yourself in. But I would refrain from dating. And I'll even give this advice to my sons. Hey, I don't think you should be dating until you're ready to marry this person. The other piece of advice that I would give is to not be unequally yoked. And at the time, I just wish that we wouldn't have started dating when we were in our infancy as believers. Mm -hmm. I was I was getting it, but I don't feel like I really fully got it until a little bit later. And I just think that that kind of complicated our relationship a bit more because a lot of the things I was doing was more performative instead of just it flowing through me um, out of the outflow of like the Holy Spirit in me and convicting me. Yeah, same. I would say that I was definitely an infant in my faith and I did not do a very good job of reading my Bible and living out a life that was in line with the life that God would want me to live. So if you guys want to hear more of our story and the lessons we've learned throughout dating and relationships, go pre-order our new book, This Kind of Love. It comes out on July 13th of 2021, or you guys can buy it in stores if you're listening after that date, and you can buy it literally anywhere that books are sold, also on Audible. So go, go, go buy it. Now that you know more about how we got started and how we got together, on next week's show, we're revisiting one of the darkest times in our life and finally opening up about our past family drama. After three long years, we can finally talk about what we learned in the process and how we changed from those unfortunate events. So to make sure you don't miss it, be sure to subscribe to the Growing Together podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. Leave a rating of five stars and leave a review of what you think about what we spoke about and what you hope to see in the future. With all that being said, thanks for hanging out with us. And as we always say, let's, let's keep, keep growing, growing together. together. Wow, 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 wow.